Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pod22. I'm your host, Philip Baird. On this week's episode, I have the pleasure of welcoming to the pod, Corey Jennerman. Corey is a runner, a skier, an outdoor enthusiast, and possibly the funniest person you might run into during a marathon. He's the co-founder and managing partner of Run Guides, an online platform that helps runners find races and clubs near them. I've known Corey for quite some time now, and he never fails to make me smile in his emails or messages. His humor is, in full honesty, quite contagious. Just like us at Stage 22, the pandemic hit Run Guides pretty hard last year. No more events equals no more interest in these events. Um, Corey and his co-founder, Brennan Emer, they weren't satisfied with rolling up their sleeves and heading into hibernation. The pair launched the Virtual Baton app to help organizations produce fun virtual team challenges and virtual relays. Their next big event is the Las Vegas de Tijuana. You could expect to start the race with a fanny pack of goodies, but with a craving for tacos. I hope you enjoy this episode. Today, I am joined with Corey from Run Guides. Corey, how's it going? It's going pretty well, and I'm excited because I haven't done a live podcast before. And I didn't realize we were just talking. You were telling me the intro was going to go. I didn't realize I get to watch it too on my screen. <laughs> Not only do you get to watch it, but you can do you can you can yell as loud as you want. It's I, no, nobody's going to know. <laughs> I did see that I was muted. That's very. I yeah. So that was fun. Very cool. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for joining. How's pandemic life in Vancouver? I think in in Vancouver we're lucky in that we've got a mild climate and a lot of stuff to do outdoors. So it is what it is, but at the same time, you can get out and you can do stuff. So, I mean, yeah, it's not bad. Nice. Did it's, you... also, it's also baby goose season right now, which is pretty good. I live uh, downtown and got the Canada geese ripping around. I can look outside my balcony right now and see them there. And, and they've got all their little cute little babies uh, walking around. <laughs> It's good. It takes the edge off. <laughs> okay. So uh, boredom has, has reached new levels, I suppose. Um, <laughs> did you get to do any skiing this year? You know, I, I actually didn't get up into the mountains that much this year. It was, it was a little bit of a crazy season as far as snow conditions, especially in the backcountry. Backcountry skiing is something that I, I wanted to get into for a while, but it was just a little dicey. And, and so I personally didn't get up, but I have a lot of friends that got, uh, got into the backcountry this year and had, had some fun. I'm going to go back a step and talk a bit about your, your upbringing, your childhood. I know you live in BC now and you studied there, but it wasn't always the case. Can you give us a little bit about a juicy details about your, your childhood past? Yeah, this is <laughs> for sure. There aren't, you know, there aren't too many juicy details, but I mean, basically my, my dad was in the military. He was, a, he was a dentist. Right. And, and we, we bounced around, I guess a little bit. I was born in Alberta in, uh, in cold Lake, moved to Calgary, uh, moved to North Bay, Ontario. when I was really young. I was over in Germany for a few years. That for me was elementary school, grade three to grade six. And then uh, finally over to Comox on Vancouver Island in, in 1994. Uh, and I was, I was there until about 1999. I moved there the, when the Vancouver Canucks went to the Stanley Cup, which was nice. So, you know, you, you move into a place and, and you get to root yeah. for the home team and, and they're doing pretty well. And, yeah, yeah, that's, pa- yeah. Pa- Pavel Burry days. Those, those were great. Ba- uh, yeah, 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 back in the day. So that was, yeah, over in Comox and then down to Victoria where I went. I went to university in Victoria. I was there for about five, five or six years before moving over to Vancouver in 
I think I want to say 2005 and now I don't even know. It might be 2006. <laughs> what you, what'd you study in university? Yeah, I took a, uh, a BCom there, Bachelor of Commerce degree. Okay. How was the experience? What, what, uh, did you think it, it set yourself up to be a, the entrepreneur that you are today or it, I, that, that actually came later in life? That's a really, it's, it's an interesting question. I think, so that would have been about 1999 to 2005 when I was, I was doing my BCom and I don't think I knew really what I wanted to do with that. I just thought in my head, I thought, oh, business, you'll, you'll, you'll be a business person, whatever they do. And uh, maybe I'll work for a merchant bank and make a lot of money. And that was kind of where my, my head was at. But I, I did find it interesting. University of Victoria is a great campus. I met a lot of really good people there. And I just kind of went through it, not really sure where I was going to end up and, and, and what I was going to do with that particular degree, to be totally honest. I, I, I do remember, uh, and this is quite funny, given that I'm in internet marketing now, there was a guy that came in that did a talk uh, to one of our classes and, and he did search engine optimization, consulting for companies. And, and I think he was doing some early Google AdWords stuff as well, like back when it was first starting. And I remember he gave a talk to our class and was saying, this is, if you want to get into this sort of field, you know, come talk to me, get some experience. And uh, this is going to be a real growth industry. And at the time, I didn't really think any, anything of it. And, you know, now here I am. <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> I had a couple of questions still about those, those university days. Yeah. Uh, the first is, I think you met your co-founder uh, during that time. How did you guys meet? Yeah, I did. Uh, I met my my longtime friend now and, and co-founder of Run Guides, Brendan Emer. My first year of university, we were in residence. We shared a wall with each other. So I had this small little one bedroom that is half the size of my apartment kitchen in, here in Vancouver. And you'd, you'd be at your desk and turn around and bump your knees on the bed. Brendan uh, was in a two bedroom next door. And I he liked to play like what I thought was pretty shitty, but now I think is like pretty sweet, early nineties rap, really loud. And I used to like to play really cheesy Euro dance and country music really loud. And that, that's how we met. So it was a conversation of, Oh, Hey, maybe could you turn the Euro dance down? And I'd be like, yeah, could you stop playing little Troy? I want to be a baller. Maybe change it up. And so we, yeah, that's how we met. And that's how we became friends. I don't, I, I think eventually, if I recall, he ended up moving in with another uh, friend of mine. They shared an apartment, maybe in second or third year, third year university. And so we reconnected that way and, and sort of been friends ever since. That's cool. I, I know you're a pretty, pretty outdoors guy, but what, what was, uh, did you participate in a lot of sports uh, back then uh, while you were at university? Not a ton, to be honest. I... I will, you know what I, I did, but as, as a cat, like a casual athlete, I, I wouldn't even call myself an athlete, right? Like we played intramurals. I like to go to the gym, that, that kind of thing. But that was kind of it. Just, just sort of for fun, right? Nothing, mm -hmm. nothing too crazy. A little bit of soccer, a little bit of inline hockey, a little bit. I used to have rollerblades. I used to love rollerblading around the city. I own that. I like it. <laughs> and did you do did you do any running i uh, you know the funny thing is too i didn't really even start running until probably about 2003 2004 and i got i started doing that mainly because 
I really enjoy electronic music and I really enjoy the movement that goes along with that. And so I would, I would throw on my, at the time, this was like a 64 megabyte MP3 player with, with electronic music songs that I had downloaded off of like Napster or LimeWire, um, music industry, please don't come after me. And I would make these mixes and then I would just, I would just want to move. So I'd be like, okay, let's go. I'm going to go for a walk. And that turned into, I'm going to go for a jog. And you do it at the um, kind of a dusk or nighttime in Victoria. It's peaceful and there's no one around and it's, it's nice. It's the same, the, it sounds cheesy, but it's the same kind of meditative state that people often get in if they're, you know, that flow that they're getting in when they do things that they really love. And that's what I was finding when I started getting into running. I had no idea what I was doing as far as training pro- like properly. I'll use air quotes. I would just kind of get out and go. Mm-hmm. And that's how, I, that's how I got into it. That would have been, that must have been about 2003-ish. And it just kind of went from there. That's cool. And leading like after university, there's, there, I think you, you jumped around a couple of different jobs. Uh, the one I want to talk about is, is your time at MindZone Media. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that would have been my, my first real foray into online marketing websites. What, you know, how, how do you make money online? All that sort of stuff. I was with them from about 2007 to about 2012. MyZone, oh, their primary property at the time was a website called clubzone.com. And clubzone was a directory of nightclubs across North America. I initially came in to help manage their photography team. So we'd, we'd send photographers out to the clubs, take a bunch of photos, put the photos on club zone. You know, people would come back and, and look at the photos or, or they would email us and say, Hey, can you, I wasn't actually supposed to be out last night. Can you take this photo down? And then, the takedown <laughs> notice is nice. Yeah. 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 And we go, go of course, of course, no worries. We'll take that down. Um, and, and and I really didn't have much of a background in it coming in. I th- you know, I thought I knew a little bit about websites and, and how it all went, but that, that was the true learning curve for me on basics around things like search engine optimization, how to run a business, what not to do. I made a ton of mistakes uh, as, a, as a, like a manager in a small company, you know, all that sort of stuff. So great learning experience for me, for sure. Can you share a mistake or two? Yeah, I think I think some of the uh, definitely. I think one one of the big mistakes that that I I made was again is just someone who came in and it was like okay now you're going to manage people, really not setting people up for success by providing them like a really good runway of like okay you're going to here's your responsibilities now here mm-hmm. is clearly how you can define success in your role. And here's where you can go with your role. And, and where do you want to grow? Uh, where, how can we help you achieve your goals? So things like that. Um, I really didn't have a lot of experience doing that. And so you just kind of are trying to figure it out. And I think that was probably frustrating for, for people who were, who were working with me, right? Because you're just sort of like, ah, do this thing. Okay, now the priority is this. Oh, now the mm-hmm. priority is that. Yeah, that would be interesting. We could... We should have got um, people I used to work with and they could just do an exit interview with me on. 
<laughs> you, know, you know, I could just send them a link right now. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and, them and have a little uh, debrief uh, for the last part of the show. But uh, yeah. don't don't get me don't get me started on some some great ideas here. Um, I'm already thinking second episode. Uh, I do want to talk about run guides, so let, let's just jump right in. First of all, like for for people who don't know about run guides, uh, yeah. in your own words, can you describe uh, what 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 you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Run Guides helps people find running races near them. That's basically it. Nice and easy. (laughs) And uh, how many races? How many races? Uh, Where? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we help people find races across North America. It's a calendar of upcoming runs. There are probably about 6,400 runs on the site right now. Okay. And where did the idea generate from? Like, where, where yeah, did that come from? The concept for run guides was born on a run in Vancouver, actually. And you can picture it was myself and a guy, my friend Ben. Um, and we were running over the, the Camby Street Bridge in Vancouver, and it's nighttime. And this is, this is one of my favorite bridges to run in, in over. You, you have a great view of the city as you come back, back into it. And he said, hey, I... I think he'd just done the sun run or something. And he said, what's, what's the next race coming up? And, you know, I thought, well, I said, well, you should just Google that. And he said, I did. And, and the calendars were a little, they weren't that great. I couldn't really find what I was looking for. And I thought, huh, at the time I, I had already left my zone. Uh, and I was, I was doing a bit of consulting, just some side projects. And I went home and I did a bit of research and I went, wow, I, you know, running directories and running calendars exist, but I think there's an opportunity here to build something a bit better than what's already out there. I think there's an opportunity to build something that ranks really well for regional keywords and runs. So if you're looking for Vancouver runs or Portland races or something, I think we can build something that ranks number one for that. Or I think at the time it was, I think I can build something. And so I tried to go do it myself for a couple of weeks. I did a bit of research and I, I very quickly realized that I needed a software engineer to <laughs> to help me build this actual custom site. Uh, and so I called up Brendan and I said, here's an idea. Do you want to try it out? Would you like to be my business partner? Will you accept this digital rose? And he said, yes. And then that's how we got going. That's great. And and once he he took the digital rose. What was uh, what was the first edition like? What what, what was the first uh, page? How did he build it? And do you, do you remember? Yeah, I mean, I would. Um, oh man, it would be great to go in the wayback machine and and see. I think I have some photos of Run Guides version one. It's it's pretty cool. It, so at the at the time, my uh, at the time, I was dating a uh, a graphic designer, and she was kind enough to give us a little bit of help on the initial design. So we came up with basic design and then we just said, all right, let's throw up some content for, for some, uh, for a few cities. And yeah, that's, that's how it got going. I think it had like runs, oh, stores. We thought running stores were going to be a big thing, like three big buttons across the, uh, the top of the site. Mm-hmm. And then a few, and then kind of like a preview of the calendar and you to click through to, to find more information. It wasn't mobile friendly or anything. We just thought, let's just get something up there and see if we get some traffic back to this thing and then we'll go from there. Hmm. What was the like the 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 event scene, the race scene at the time? Like I I've read a, a couple of books about it, but mm-hmm. I'd like to hear your perspective on it. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. So when we launched this would have been 2013, this was right going into the the peak of 
color runs were a new thing that kind of like 5k fun run was a new thing obstacle course runs were becoming a new thing i mean everything was kind of booming trail racing was still oh, it was getting going but it was still a little bit more fringy than it was now and we were i guess they were experiencing that i think they call it like the second running boom like there was a big running boom back in i, I i'm gonna biff this i think it was the 70s or the 80s and then and then there was a huge but there was another big resurgence recently right like in, the, yeah. in you know the kind of mid to 2010s and we were right in the middle of that and it was it was pretty interesting the whole demographic of running was shifting it was going you know from uh again i believe it was about 60 40 70 30 men to women now all of a sudden you were getting a ton more women in in the races you were um, seeing how social media was starting to really drive participation. And yeah, it was, it was, it was really interesting because when I started running, you, I, as, a, as a casual runner, I would kind of think, oh yeah, you do the, the big 10K in town, right? The, the, mm -hmm. Maybe Victoria was the Times Colonist 10K in Vancouver, it was the Sun Run. And I didn't really know about, the, about anything else. And all of a sudden, all of these other little niche events were, were kind of popping up. So yeah, things were popping off. Now we're going to go to, to maybe something a little bit less fun too, but, uh, exactly. how did, how did you guys feel the pandemic when it hit on your website? Uh, oh yeah. Um, that was brutal for, <laughs> yeah. uh, for the whole industry. And I mean, yeah, the, for us personally, we basically watched in three days, we watched our traffic go drop like 80% or something like that. And just, I mean, I know it, the same with your industry as well. And, and with, you know, all, all like, yeah, all, basically all races stopped. And, you know, at first I think we were, everyone was thinking, mm, okay, maybe things will just be postponed by four weeks. And then very quickly uh, we realized it wasn't going to be a, a, a kind of short-term thing. So yeah. Yeah, quite, quite challenging and definitely tough to deal with for sure, because you have something that you put a lot of work into your, and things are leading up to that point going really great. And then now you have, of course, something that's outside of your control that's affecting it. So yeah, it definitely affected us and, and the running industry significantly. Mm -hmm. I, more so too for the race directors, I think it's, it's tougher. I mean, we still have a, a, web, have a web property that was generating some amount of traffic. Mm -hmm. um, if you're throwing a race, it's like, that's it. You, yeah. And, and yeah, I know the race directors that, that I know and, and talk to are just, ugh, it was so tough. They were scrambling trying to figure things out. And I think they're also stuck in between that Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, they some of them had already accepted funding for the races, but now they couldn't accept the races or couldn't hold the races anymore. So they were like stuck in between trying to keep the main sponsors, but also keep like the idea of the event alive. So the the event yeah. canceled is one thing, but then it's the whole logistics behind it, and then all yes. your contracts and the food provider and the DJ and like, can you cancel all that? Like everything is like it's like a wedding, but amplified, right? Because some of them had like ten thousand attendees or whatnot. Yeah, I, I I did hear about a couple of success stories. Granted, they were like very remote. So one of them mm. was in Utah, and it was at night, and then they had like packs of like 10 or 20 people leave every 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so it was like the first non-virtual race. And so people were like, thank God I've actually like experienced something. Yeah, but, yeah. but those were still very rare. I, I, I know you worked on some side projects. One of them I want to talk about right now, the virtual baton app. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, virtual baton app is something that came uh, out of the pandemic, which is, is kind of interesting. And, and virtual baton app allows people to participate in virtual team challenges. So you form a team or register an event, you form a team, then you go onto the app to manage your team. You can chat with your team members, you can see how the, where the other teams are, and then you can watch your team move along a map with Google Street View, which is pretty cool. And I mean, I know you did, uh, you and your friends did, did the Bali event. So yeah, we've been, we've been throwing events with this, um, with this app and it's been really fun. It yeah. was born out of us kind of sitting around going, all right, runs aren't <laughs> going to happen for a while. <laughs> what do we do? What are we going to do? And, and mm. we started, we, we saw that, you know, virtual racing is definitely a thing now. And we thought, well, what can we do that is a little bit different than the classic virtual race, which is, you know, go out and run X amount of distance. Let's say it's a virtual 10K. Um, just go out and run 10K and then you get your, your finisher stuff, right? Yeah, it's pretty fun. And then we, we kind of looked at what was successful. We saw, um, I mean, the, the Tennessee 1000K was the, the biz, biggest example of, of success. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with that, that event? I am familiar with yeah. that event, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally, right? So the, the guy behind the Barkley Marathons does the, hey, you have, I think it was four or five months to run 1,000K, sells like six to 20,000 uh, spots. And so we went, okay, well, people like to move along a map and they, and, and, you know, they, they want to be involved in, in something like that. Cool, maybe there's something there. And we just started taking pieces out of uh, other events that we saw being successful. And then we thought, well, the one thing that maybe we could do differently is try to connect people to the team, right? Because mm -hmm. what I could see is everyone that's in the part of the run crews that I like to run with here in Vancouver, we're all really bummed because you couldn't go and run with your friends and doing a virtual race by yourself is certainly fun, but it's like that, that community is really what makes the experience. So that's, that's kind of how we, how we fell into virtual baton app. Yeah, I, I can personally attest to that because uh, two friends of ours joined us on in our group and they live in Scotland. They're actually from BC. Yeah. And yeah, we, we reconnected. We used the messaging uh, part of the app and, and uh, we like, you know, kind of gave virtual high fives to each other when we saw each other more than we spent more time talking and looking at each other's success than on Strava. Which, cool. which really attests to the fact that there's a real communal aspect with it. And I think that's cool. And I think it's also a really cool thing that you guys actually offer this to companies if they want to use this as a, as a team building exercise, right? Yeah, we do. Absolutely. And so we have our, our public facing races, which is under Run Guides Races. Um, you can go on there and do a, a bunch of different team challenges. And then we started producing uh, corporate events as well. And really, it's, it's the same thing, except... Um, the the course is totally customizable and it's private to your own organization right so for example we have uh, one organization we're, we're working with now where their workplace is doing a valencia to or a barcelona to valencia challenge where they have a month or two to see if they can their teams of four people can cover cumulative uh distance of 400 kilometers running walking or counting their steps and then they watch their teams move, move along the map and they earn cool little digital badges and things along the way. So we, yeah, we, we felt like that could be something kind of fun because remote, remote work isn't really going anywhere, right? I mean, mm -hmm. remote work was, was, I think this is inevitable and the pandemic just sped it up. And now most offices or most companies that we're talking to are saying either we're, 
we're going to go full remote or we're doing hybrid, but you still want employee engagement, right? Yeah. And, and it's kind of a fun way to do that without the need for like yet another Zoom call. I no. was about yeah. to say that. I was <laughs> about to yeah. use the exact example <laughs> and, and Zoom tiredness is a real thing and this, this avoids it. Thank, thank God. That's cool. Okay. Well, you know, we talked about these virtual events. Uh, I'm going to go back to the real thing. I don't think you've ever run the Death Valley 100, have you? No, no, I have not. <laughs> okay, no. okay. But what is that? That's probably the craziest run in the world. But what, what's the craziest run you've ever participated in? I yeah, I mean, I <laughs> the, the craziest, maybe most I, intense. Yeah, I've I've done a few interesting ones. I did an event uh, called the Multi Grind which is, uh, you just lap this, there's a, so there's a trail in Vancouver called the Grouse Grind that's fairly well known. And it's about two or two and a half kilometers, I think in length, and you do about 900 meters of, of vertical gain. And so in this multi-grind, they just say, hey, show up at 4 a.m. and we'll let you through this gate. And then you have to do as many laps as you can. There's a tram that goes uh, down, right? So you go up okay. and then you take the tram down. They give you a little um, bib that gives you front of the line pass on the tram. Okay. And then they say, okay, just go. As you Do as many as you can. And as long as you're through the gate by 9 p.m., you can, you can get that last lap in. And so I, I found out about that. It's a, uh, a fundraising event for BC Children's Hospital. Okay. Um, and I found out about it because I had a friend doing it one year and some, some other friends said, Hey, do you want to come out and, and pace Ian? He was, he was going for the, the record at the time, which was like 18 of these loops, uh, which is a lot. That's a lot of loops. 18. And 18 it's, loops, it's pretty yeah. steep, right? Imagine it's like, so. it's full on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, just, you just go straight up. Um, <laughs> It's like walking up a bunch of stairs. Like as far as a hike goes, I, you know, it's not scenic or anything, but it's a good, it's a fun fitness challenge. Okay. And cool. yeah, so I, I decided to, I, I talked to Ian and he gave me a whole bunch of tips. I said, oh, that would be cool. So I went and did that. I thought that was kind of weird. And I did a bunch of laps. I had these, the strategy was because you want to minimize your time be between loops, right? Like this gondola takes seven minutes to, to go down plus faffing around a few minutes. And over the course of a day, that adds up to quite a bit of time. So you're like, okay, how do you minimize your transition time? I said, Ian, what are your top tips? And he said, well, take a giant Rubbermaid container, put all of your food and prepackage it into little 250 calorie bags. Take that Rubbermaid and they don't, they don't really have an official start line at the bottom. So just throw it in the forest, like hide it. And when you finish your, your lap, Go, you can just run over to your Rubbermaid, huck your garbage in it out of your little vest, pick up your cookies or whatever, stuff them in, and then go up and then, and, and then you can eat. So yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> that's cool. That's very cool. That sounds like a, a really wacky one. Um, yeah. That's, that's nice. And, and any, any ones that stand out that you were like, this was like my personal best, like I, you would cross the finish line and you just, or is, is it every run you ever participated in you felt ecstatic? No, I think, I think personally for me, just like, I'm not, I'm obviously I'm not going for any podiums or anything, but I, I have my own personal goals. And I think one of the reasons that I love endurance sports so much is that anyone has the opportunity to go to a start line and go, okay, today I'm going to try to achieve something that is at the limit of what I think possible for myself. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I don't like, here's a goal that I think is achievable. I don't know if I can do this, but I don't know that I can't do this. Right. And, and that is what I, 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 that's what I love about endurance sports. I, I, I think it's, that's just super, super fantastic. And so for myself, yeah, there are definitely races where I kind of set that goal and you go for it. So I think my like my little lifetime personal best like ultimate glory was uh, a couple of years ago. I I went for that sub three hour marathon uh, and and nice. got that in Vancouver, and that was pretty awesome. I tried for it a couple times before and, and failed, and that was my little my little feather in my in my cap. That and I've I've I, I've run I ran a um, uh, sub seven minute beer mile, which I feel oh, wow. like the sub that's like the sub three of of the beer mile world so very Good. yeah very very happy about that one too i've trained for runs but i've never trained for a beer mile what's what's the do you just tank a lot of beers like like did you try to raise your alcohol level is there is there even yeah, yeah. is there even a training process to to achieve uh a good ranking or a good performance. There's a whole training protocol. I know it sounds goofy, but there there truly is. Um, <laughs> there truly is. Okay. And this is from so one of my friends, Andrew Hall, amazing beer miler. He went and ran in the World Championships in Austin a few years ago. Okay. Um, and and these are like like I guess legit people. So I think he ran a 535 thereabouts. Okay. Mile. So that's four beers, one mile. In five thirty-five. Five thirty-five, right? So like that's slight like my mile on my best day is, is maybe like five twenty and change or something. And I'm being I'm giving myself a couple extra seconds to be generous. So what you do is first, yeah, you just gotta get really fast to do in a mile. Um, but secondly, there's a whole thing. You 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 just you just practice chugging and <laughs> you get a um an empty beer bottle yeah. and you leave it by the sink. And every now and then, a few times a day, you fill that beer bottle up and you just you slam it back as fast as you can. You train yourself to, to get good. And then, you know, you try doing it when you're out of breath. And, and, and that is how you get faster at beer mile. Cool. Very interesting. Very informative. Um, I, mean, I, I mean, I can tell there's a whole, I, we fill the 45 minutes here with beer mile training tips. <laughs> Today, you're like, you know, for lack of a better word, you're actually an entrepreneur. And with, with Brendan, you, you built your own platform and yeah. you have an app, you have a brand, uh, you have a whole media conglomerate. Did the young version of yourself ever think that you were going to end up doing this? I like that you refer to it as a media conglomerate. That, <laughs> that, it is, it is. It's got several. That, yeah. yeah, it does. It does. It's true. Brendan Guides Media. <laughs> it sounds a bit evil, doesn't it? A media conglomerate. I mean, if you have run in media, I, I yeah, can't, can't hurt a fly. I'm, I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> There's no big political stances ever taken. Did I think, Are, uh, what's the question again? Did I think that we would ever do this? Did yes. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That, uh, I feel like, I mean, I feel like with, with this particular business, we've just kind of always approached it as, okay, here's something we're interested in. Here's, a, here's something at the same time that we think can actually, you know, make us money and provide a livelihood. Let's try to do that. And then... If it works, um, we ask ourselves, okay, if we continue doing this, will it, you know, will it increase? Will we get more traffic? Will, you know, we make more money? If yes, then let's continue doing that. Uh, and at the same time, let's poke at other little ideas and, and same thing, like try them out. If there's some traction there, okay, keep going. So yeah, I, maybe, maybe I did, maybe previous Corey thought he, did, he was going to, but I can um, certainly, I can certainly tell you now that I, I now for sure I feel like I'll always be 
I'll always have some little project on the go. Absolutely. Nice. And I do appreciate some of your little projects. And this comes into my next question. I think, I don't think there's anybody who comes out with like funnier April Fool's jokes than you. And I want to touch base on a little couple of them. Stravoid was one of my favorite ones. Uh, can you, can you tell us a bit about Stravoid? Just quickly. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it's such a nice thing to say. I think I can find so many. I, I feel like there are a lot of people that have better April Fool's jokes than me. But, I, I haven't found them yet. So you're, um, you're, you're pretty pretty up there. You're pretty up but there. Yeah, but. we. I like Stravoid and I wish it was a real app. Stravoid is uh, the number one app for avoiding runners. You can find it at stravoid.com. And it's something we put out a couple April Fool's ago. This year we did. We And like I had a few, we had a few messages back from our email list that were kind of like, is this real? And (laughs) this year we did listen to my run.com, which is a phone line you can call into. It's like your friends bored of listening to your race stories again and again, call, listen to my run. Like we're happy to chat. We'll go over your Strava data. You can tell us what you ate race morning. These, by the way, these have absolutely like, they're like counterproductive. Like, (laughs) I spend, a, I spend half a week or a week coming up with this idea. And then uh, Brendan, my business partner, graciously says, yeah, okay. I, when we do our morning call to talk about our priorities for the day and the week, he's like, yeah. okay, fine. You can, do, you can make the listen to my run site. You will make it a priority today. <laughs> so not as enthused. Who buys the domain? Who buys the domain? Is it you I or Brendan? You, you when <laughs> I expense it. <laughs> that's really cool well i know i appreciate them so so Thank it's you. been it's been a good source of humor especially the one that you had uh during the pandemic it really i lifted my spirits so that, that was you. that was cool i'm glad uh, i'm glad there's one person out there that likes the run guides instagram account <laughs> and appreciates the comics i appreciate the comments but i don't get them from the instagram account but uh <laughs> not a problem have you guys seen um uh, a little bit more to s- serious talk but have you seen have you guys seen any positive trends uh either on your website or talking yeah. to other people in the uh the industry because yeah it's it seems like things are opening up uh yeah. at least in the states right now and and uh yeah if, if you have any data that, that would be cool absolutely so i mean Again, yeah, we're starting to see the beginnings of a recovery, which is great. When people come to runguides.com, they're searching for runs in a specific area, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and they're typically registering, typically searching for races about three to six months out. That's, it's, you know, it's a general rule of thumb when we look at the data on our site. So okay. what we see, we're starting to see traffic pop back up, especially in the U.S., especially in certain regions down there. And it's starting in some of the regions is starting to approach our 2019 levels, which is very promising. Um, What that tells me is at least psychologically, people are are thinking, okay, I am going to do a run at some point in the future, right? Now, whether they're thinking three months to six months from now, we we don't really know for sure. I, that's something that we can pour into our data and actually see like what month are they are they looking at at the moment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we're definitely starting to see it, and it is really. I, I think it's an interesting study of the psychology of people, really, because you'll see some regions uh, we're still down pretty significantly, right? And those are typically regions where that are still a lot more affected. You're still seeing maybe talk of lockdowns or a lot of restrictions, and then you have other regions where we're within a few percentage points 
of 2019. And those are the regions typically that are a little bit more open, so or like have opened up, right, so to speak. And so you think, well, people's psychology is now shifted to, okay, I'm going to run again. So yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely recovering and more so in the States than Canada right now. But we are seeing gains in Canada too. And I can't tell the future, but um, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens in, in a few more months here. Nice. Well, uh, it's, thanks for sharing. That's, that's actually great news. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but I, I do want to go back on it. Um, there was an article, I think it came out in 2017 and the New York Times, and it was entitled, The, the Running Bubble Has Popped. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about just road race particularly, and they, they had definitely separated trail running that they considered separate, which is still booming. And they had, they had basically had the no- amount of finishers in the States, and they went from 19 million in 2013 to 17 million. 2016. And then they had a couple of people that were saying, you know, I think we just grew too quick, mm. uh, too fast. Uh, what's what's your take on on the health of the industry? You know, let's say we, we return exactly to what it was, you know, pre-pandemic. Did it grow too fast? And and do you think it's still, there's still room to grow, to be innovative? And, mm. and how does that like go with the, you know, the obstacle races and, and those other type of runs as well? I think, interesting, I, I would say for as far as like growing too fast, uh, one trend that I, I did see for sure, and this would be a little bit, I don't want to pick on the obstacle course races and, and the sort of like color runs and things too much, but mm-hmm. one of the things that we definitely saw were kind of the emergence of some promotion companies that were creating events that were kind of going to be one-off just we're going to just run this and then we don't we're not going to invest a ton into the runner experience and mm-hmm. then it's gone right and so there would be specific events that would kind of pop up you see a lot of negative or mediocre reviews on those and then that event wouldn't exist anymore versus some of the more established runs that are really putting a lot of energy and effort into not only the runner experience but how they're tying in with community you know let's say for example the amount of money that they're fundraising for for various community initiatives and like putting it back in there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think like you, you brought a good example and the one I can think about is the New York Roadrunners where that community aspect's super important and so important that if you like volunteer, I think for a set of number of runs that are like more local ones, mm-hmm. then you actually automatically get a spot in the actual New York marathon, which is really tough to get. Nice. Uh, unless you're, you're, you're timing yourself at really ridiculous uh, times yeah. or you're paying this like ridiculous travel, uh, you know, entity that, that has the whole package that it bid for, mm-hmm. or you win the lottery, which yeah. is also an even more difficult thing. Um, but, but my point of all this is, do you think that there might be a shift towards more of these community aspects and then those, those one-off events that really never was put any effort, those will actually die off. And if anything, it'll benefit the runner because there'll be more of an inclusive run or a more uh, communal experience. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in event production in general, if you focus on creating a quality product and have a, a vision of like, we're going to throw this for a number of years, yeah, I think, I think you stand a great chance of success. And I think there is that opportunity in, in, in the running industry for sure. So I think going forward, there's a ton of opportunity and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things grow. I think the trail is growing like crazy right now, which is pretty interesting. The, the, the rule of thumb with that seems to just be 
make it really, really difficult. And then more people want to do it. So if you're like, oh yeah, just come out and do this chill, yeah. you know, really achievable distance and there's not much elevation. Yeah. Your sales go. Okay. And then when you go, okay, here's the deal. It's a, uh, it's, it's 50 K straight up. And we have people that throw oranges at you. And, oh, we don't even let you sleep three days before. Then people are like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, there, it's it's a whole different experience for sure. And and it's it's weird that even I'm still discovering new segments within that sub segment. So yeah, I think yeah. uh, one one's called sky sky running or sky. I forget the actual term, but it mm. has to be at a certain set of altitude for the entire race. Oh yeah, okay. I've, I've heard the term, and um, yeah, I don't I don't want to speculate on what exactly it is, but that sounds right to me. Yeah, yeah and and so this is even pushing your body like further like if you're yeah. if you live in amsterdam like i mean how do you train for this like this, yeah you know, that guy lives in peru he's yeah. miles ahead of you uh for this race and Absolutely. it's definitely pushing your body to another level i i do appreciate the way they're in, innovating i do think that this this dip may bring a, a new boom that's like a kind of like a third wave of coffee but like more of a third wave of running yeah i mean i'm obviously i'm biased because i'm in the industry but yeah. i i actually do i think there's going to be a massive recovery i mean you have like look at the activities that people were doing a ton of people were picking up running shoes and running walking or uh they were they were buying bikes and i think there's a tremendous appetite for uh running races you know, once they return. And I, I think 2022 is going to be pretty interesting for the industry. I have a quick couple of rapid questions yeah, before yeah. we uh, wrap it up. But uh, first off, what's, uh, what's your favorite pair of running shoes for road running? What I'm currently running in right now are a pair of Hoka's and okay. I cannot remember the model. I also have been running in, in uh, Saucony Canvara's as well. I, I, sw- I swap between the two. Okay. And uh, they, are they... Do you find it's they're better when they're very very worn, or are they better when they're brand new? No, no, you don't. You don't want them to be worn. You, no, man, nice when they're new. Um, and I try to, I I try to uh, swap or I try to get new pairs. Either well, basically when they feel dead, like they're worn and I'm, and they're feeling dead, get that shoe out of there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you have several thousand runs on on your platform that are listed. Yeah. Uh, we talked a couple about a couple of them, but uh, any of them that uh, you'd recommend to, to be put on a future bucket list? If people were doing like runs per state or something that you've like you've met the the organizer, you've heard good things about, or even that you experienced yourself. Yeah, I mean, oh man, that's like that's so hard to pick uh, specific runs. <laughs> I you know what I'm going to tell you about the one of the runs I just found I thought was super cool, and I want to do it one day. I don't yeah. even know if it's still happening, but I can I can remember this. I think it was called Fork in the Road, and it was a, it's a, like a trail race in Ottawa, and okay. what they near Ottawa, and what they do is they have a a course where there are multiple forks in the road, and the entire and but you're not allowed GPS, you're not you don't know the course beforehand, and so you can basically it's like choosing your own, own adventure. You show up, you go left, you go right, you oh end up either running I think about eight k on a relatively easy course. Or if you choose the wrong forks, you'll do about 15K with an extra like 700 meters of elevation. And I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. I, that, yeah. That's pretty cool. Cause even if you're like a, you run regularly enough, 15K is, is still doable. It's just that it's very frustrating that yeah, you, yeah, yeah. your friend may have done the 8K and you, you got stuck doing 15K, yeah. but I guess it could be worse. You could be stuck in 
the Barksley marathons with thorns all around your legs. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. One, <laughs> one, the one other one. I, you know, I would really like to do that. Um, uh, that rock and roll Vegas marathon. I uh, oh, yeah. that one. They shut the whole strip down and everything. Yeah, that's one that personally, I, I would, I think would be pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. But man, there's, there's, there's so many. There's so many good runs. Nice. I, I can feel the passion and and I know it, it it it's true and it rings true with you and and thank you so much for coming on the pod. Uh, my last question, if uh, people want to get in touch with you, talk about partnerships or even get the run featured on on your website, uh, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, if you're looking to get uh, anything featured on Run Guides, you can go to runguides.com, the contact form, or hit me up directly, Corey at runguides.com, C O R Y at runguides.com. And yeah, I'd be happy to chat about anything around guides related or anything to do with virtual baton app and the, uh, the virtual team fitness challenges there. Cool. Well, thank you so much for dropping by Corey. I'm wishing you a happy summer and, and hopefully, uh, we'll come across on one of those events. Uh, maybe this fall might be yeah. sooner, might be sooner rather than later. Uh, fingers crossed. Let's go. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, no, it was great to have you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. All right. Take care, Corey.